Let's pray together. Father, we just uh, we thank you for Sundays, and we thank you for being reminded of what's really important in life. And the times that we get lost and distracted, I pray that you keep bringing us back to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. So, one of the most difficult things, I think, for at least me in life is waiting. Like, I hate to wait. I'm a pretty impatient person, I think. And even more difficult is to know what to do while you're waiting, you know? I mean, for me, I feel like I am just wasting so much time when I'm waiting. And I sit there and I try to analyze it, I try to strategize it, but I always pick the wrong line at the grocery store. (laughs) I always pick the bumper-to-bumper route to anywhere that I go, and it drives me nuts. Like, I really hate waiting. But it occurred to me, what if waiting really isn't a waste of time at all? What if waiting is like the point? Well, good morning, y'all. There is a uh, little-known person in the Bible in the uh, story of the first Christmas who knew a little something about waiting. And he's a guy in the Bible that we don't know very much about. We don't know really where he came from or um, how old he was or even if he was married or not. But we do know that he knew how to, how to hold on to hope. And his name was Simeon. And the Bible tells us he had a strong faith in God. But more than anything else, he was looking forward to living long enough to seeing his dream come true. And we don't know how long Simeon had been waiting for his dream, but we get the impression that he's been waiting a very, very long time. And so in the Gospel of Luke... Chapter 2, right in the heart of all the Christmas stuff, in verses uh, 25 through 30, says, Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout, and he was waiting on the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So it's almost like a good news, bad news thing where in the time before Jesus was born, God had been silent. Nobody had heard from him. You know, the whole time of the prophecies was done. And it had been like 600 years since anybody has heard a word from God. And then there's the promise of this Messiah. Now, I'm going to just say that the word Messiah and the word Christ are interchangeable. And both words mean one who would come into the world to save his people. So he would be the one, this Messiah would be the one who would bring hope to the hopeless and to bring light into a very dark world. But 
the Messiah was something God's people had been waiting on for literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, and nobody ever knowing when or even if he was really going to show up. And on the one hand, God telling Simeon that he would get to see the Messiah was really great news. But all that God was willing to tell him is that it would be sometime before he dies. So God's promise of the Messiah became Simeon's hope, his dream. Now apparently, Simeon was getting up there in years, and to some it may have seemed like he was running out of time. Many years had passed, but the one thing that he knew is that he couldn't make his dream come true on his own any more than he could fly to the moon. So Simeon did a very important thing when he was tempted to lose hope. He waited. Now, I don't think there's any one of us out there, really, I've never met anybody who says, man, you know, I just love to wait. I think all of us, like, hate to wait. And I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that I probably maybe frustrate my wife the most when we're getting ready to go somewhere and I'm in a hurry and she's like getting ready and I just say, hey, like, how long is this going to take? Now, what you have to understand is that my wife is one of those who when she wakes up, her hair is perfect. She looks beautiful. It's amazing. And so I wonder like, what is it that she's even doing in there that could possibly take so long? But now, the older and wiser that I've become since Friday night, <laughs> I've learned that you really can't rush perfection. Because when she comes out of that room, you go, wow, like she is absolutely stunning. And, you know, waiting is hard, but when what you've been waiting on finally happens, it makes it all so worth it, doesn't it? It's somehow like the waiting has prepared you for this big reveal. Like somehow the waiting prepared you to be ready for this moment when it happened. And I wonder how many times Simeon got up in the morning and wondered if today would be the day that his dream would come true. And how many times he went to bed that same night, disappointed, just trying to hold on to hope. And we don't really know the answer to that, but what we do know is that he kept on moving forward in faith. He continued to faithfully wait on God. And it makes me wonder if this morning, without even knowing it, if we're not just a little bit like Simeon. Maybe this Christmas has been hard for you this year because you're waiting for something that is out of your control, which is very frustrating. Maybe you're waiting for a job or for your finances to turn around. Maybe you're waiting for healing from some illness that you've been struggling with. Maybe you had a loss in the last year or so, and it's 
caused you pain and you're just waiting for the pain and the hurt to go away. I don't know what you're waiting on, but whatever it is for you, maybe like Simeon, you've been waiting for what seems to be a lifetime. Maybe it's been such a long time that you're running dangerously close to losing all hope. I've been through a lot of junk in my life. A lot of it I brought on myself. Some of it I didn't. I've had pain and I've had loss. And the one thing that I've learned is that a seed does not start to grow on top of the soil in the sunlight. Seeds start to grow underground in a dark place. That seed has to germinate in a dark place before it can become what it was meant to become. And with Simeon, we get the impression that he spent some time in a dark place, waiting and hoping, almost exhausted and frustrated, as disappointed as he felt. He just kept on waiting. But what if the waiting really isn't a waste of our time? What if the waiting really is the point? What if the dark places in our lives prepare us for the times of light and joy? Maybe it's what God does to make us into the people he wants us to become. Maybe it's the waiting that actually builds our faith. Simeon was waiting on God to show up in his situation. And I am sure that what Simeon was looking for was completely different than what he found. Simeon was looking for some Messiah to come down out of the heavens in some cloud, trumpets blaring, angels surrounding him in all of his greatness and the glory of, of God. And what an unexpected surprise it must have been when the great Messiah that he'd been waiting on for so long was nothing more than a tiny baby born to a poor carpenter. Let me read you the rest of that story in Luke chapter 2. And starting in verse 27, it says, Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts, And when the parents, Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation. And he continues on in this prayer, and then it says that, Mary and Joseph were in awe of the things that Simeon said because they were still trying to get their heads around the fact that their baby was this promised Messiah. 
God didn't show up like Simeon thought he would, but he showed up. Simeon never stopped looking for God, and the focus was not on how God would come through, but that there was no doubt that he would come through. Simeon had been waiting a very long time, but all the while, what he didn't realize was that God was building his faith to the point that when the time came, he was strong enough in his faith to be able to see the coming of God in the form of a tiny baby born to a poor couple. Simeon was actively looking for God in his life, even when it felt like God might have abandoned him, but he never, ever gave up hope. You see, that's what faith is, I think. It's not praying for or watching for a particular result from God, where you're trying to control the outcome because you think you know what's best. It's watching and knowing that God will personally come through for you. Somehow, some way, when there seems to be no way, God shows up. It may not be the way that you thought he should show up, but Could it be? Is it at all possible that God's plan for your life is better than your plan? The day that Simeon took the baby Jesus into his arms was the day that his waiting came to an end. And on that day, he was holding hope in his arms. Sometimes we get so focused in on how we think God should show up in our lives according to our plans that we miss God. That we miss him altogether. I think about the wise men, right? I mean, we're not sure how they knew how to follow the star in the east all the way to the baby Jesus, but they did, and chances are good that it was God who led them there. They had a faith in what they believed, and they kept their eyes looking up, and they never wavered. And who knows how long they waited and watched to be able to see this star, but because they were looking for God, they found him. They were able to see him. And it makes me wonder, how many other people saw that same star and completely missed it? Because they were looking at all the wrong stuff. They completely missed the whole thing. If you were to um, ask me what is one of my favorite, most beautiful, most romantic moments with my wife, it would probably be one of the most unexpected moments that I think you could imagine. For my birthday last year, I, uh, I wanted to 
go backpacking in the Teton Mountains. I used to go backpacking every year when I was a younger man, and I had romanticized it and thought, yeah, I want to go back in the mountains. I want to go backpacking. I want my wife to go with me. It'd be perfect. And I was able to suck her into agreeing to it because I promised her that we would begin and end the trip at the Four Seasons Resort and Spa. (laughs) Emphasis on the word spa. So we get out there, and I mean, the very first day was, (laughs) was pretty daunting. It was exhausting, and it was a pretty intense day of hiking. But we finally get to our camp, and I won't even go into all how long it took us to set up the dang thing. But when we finally get into our little tent for the night, we're absolutely exhausted. And I was quickly reminded of why it is that I really don't backpack anymore. Because when you lay down on that ground, it feels like you're just laying on a stinking like, rock in, the, in your back. And all I could dream about was like my bed and you know, a down comforter. And so finally we start to drift off when all of a sudden this huge storm blows in. And we're in a tiny little tent. And there's this raging thunder and lightning and the wind coming through. Sounds like it's a freight train that's like headed right for us and we're like in the middle of the rail. And I, of course, thought it would be really cool to pitch our tent out on a mountain ledge so that we could like, you know, look out over the valley romantically and enjoy the view. But now our tent's like going like this and I'm like thinking the wind's just going to push us right off the ledge. We're going to die. And it finally like, you know, quiets down a little bit and, and, you know, I kind of drift off to sleep again at the sound of the rain hitting the tent. And, and finally, as I get to sleep, I hear my wife say, honey, you awake? I am now, honey. What is it? She said, can we go back to the Four Seasons tomorrow? <laughs> now, I try to play it cool, like, how could you possibly want to go back to a resort when we're out here and we have the fresh mountain air and we're in God's creation? It's like beautiful when all the while on the inside, I'm like celebrating at the thought of being in a real bed the next night. (laughs) However, I had planned for our backpacking to last another two days. And so in order to get out, we had like 24 miles to hike, which may not sound like a lot, but it is when you're like up at 10,000, 11,000 feet, and you're carrying a 40-pound pack, and you're going back and forth, up and down these trails and stuff. It it wasn't pretty, but we decided to take it on. So we're about halfway into our hike the next day, and we're making great time, and all we're trying to do is to get off that mountain before nightfall. And we come into this little bowl, this little mountain valley, and we realize in order to get out of the valley, we have to climb pretty much straight up 1,500 feet into this ridge and as we're getting ready we just get to the base of this ridge we're getting ready to climb up again like the ugliest storm that you've ever seen is blowing you can just see it and it looks like God is just gunning for us like God is throwing down this lightning and thunder right at us and it's coming right for us so we you know you just don't want to be up on the side of a ridge when the lightning is like this close at 11,000 feet so we decided to back down, made the decision to just wait it out. And so we hunker down, and we get our rain gear on, and we grab a tarp from the tent, and we put it over at us, and we just wait. And within like a minute, 
it was not only raining, but it was hailing. And the hail was big, and it was not letting up, and it was just beating down on us. And so there we were, in the middle of nowhere, on the top of a mountain, nobody else around, just my wife and I underneath a tarp in the middle of a hailstorm. Don't you even think that I didn't just put some moves on that woman. (laughs) What could have been one of the most frustrating moments of the trip, where we had so much ground to cover and we had to get off the dang mountain, and here we were stuck in this valley with being pelted by hail, turned out to be one of the most beautiful, romantic moments of our marriage. And it's a matter of perspective, right? And how you see it. And how you respond in that moment. How when you're under a tarp being pelted with hail, there can be this beautiful thing. Our problem is that so many times, we get our eyes so focused on all the crap in our lives, on all the bad stuff, that we can't see past it to see the good. And I'm not saying that's easy. But we get into this dark place and we can't see what God is doing beyond the darkness because we can't find the light. And so we lose hope. Are you so focused on what isn't going right in your life right now that you're missing what God is doing? Can you see past the disappointments to see that possibly there is something beyond the darkness that is better than what you could even imagine? This last year was pretty bleak for a lot of us. A lot of us lost people we loved. A lot of us fought illnesses, hard times. And the lesson that I continue to learn and then keep on forgetting is that the seed always has to germinate in a dark place. It's always the beginning. And you want the darkness to end, but you can't be transformed without going through dark times. And when the darkness becomes so dark and so painful, when it feels like you can't go on, that you drop to your knees, and you know, no matter how strong you think you are, you know you can't, you can't do it on your own anymore. That's the moment where the seed breaks through, and God comes in. When we finally get out of the way to allow God to do his thing. When we finally break our ego enough to say, I can't do it on my own anymore, God shows up. And it may not be like you think he should show up. But he shows up. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is a passage in Isaiah 40. And it says this. 
Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who do you think created all this? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each star by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. And he gives strength to the weary. And he increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord, those who hope in the Lord, they will renew their strength. They will rise up. And they will soar on wings like eagles. And they will run and not grow weak. And they will walk and not get faint. It's not easy to go through the tough times. But if we can somehow find the strength to put our hope in God, to get our eyes off of whatever it is that we're dealing with that's right there in front of us that we can't seem like to find our way out of, if we can just lift our eyes up and find that the presence of God is everywhere and that there's a whole new hope and dream that is beyond anything that you could imagine for your life. That when we're in the darkest places of our life, that God uses that to build a faith in us that is beautiful and strong until we can finally bust out and rise up and walk in the light of God where our faith is strong stronger than we could have ever imagined because God's goal may not be our goal because God's goal is that he wants to prepare us he wants us to be able to be strong enough that we can last the journey until the very end with our faith left intact that we can run and not grow weary that we can make it to the very end when it feels like you just can't go on look up and see that this baby that was born 2,000 years ago in a manger in a stable show up for you in your life if you can just find the strength to look up.